Why don't you like it when I poke my tongue out at you? <laughs> because it's <laughs> Hi, my name's Emily Chadbourne. And I'm Rochelle Fisher. And we're a couple of Xennials turning 40! Xennials are an often forgotten generation, sandwiched between the Gen X and the Millennials. Not quite one, but not quite the other either. We were brought up on Disney princesses, roller skates and Game Boys. Left to flounder through the grunge era of the 1990s and expected to catch up with tech life in the noughties, how prepared was the Xennial woman for the delights and disappointments of the current day? To celebrate our birthdays, Em and I decided to launch our own mini-series dedicated solely to issues that so many Xennial women face today. From egg freezing to ageing to being single, we have interviewed some amazing Xennials with stories to share. Enjoy this episode! Hi, Michelle. Hey, Emily. How are you? Oh, <laughs> stop it, twinning. Uh, nice haircut, by the way. Oh, thanks. You know, just felt like a big chop and going in the ocean a lot. It's just I need low maintenance. And you also wanted to look like me, didn't you? Is that um, what it was? Yeah, single white female thing going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily Chapman, the Unashamedly Human podcast. There, see, I've got you down pat. Oh, that's a bit weird. Would you ever need anyone as like a substitute if you're oh, on holiday? Mate, there are so him. many things that I would love the clone of Emily Chadbourne to do for me. What would the clone of Rochelle do for you? Well, oh, I know what you'd have to do for me. What? You'd have to go in an operating theatre for the day. That no. That would be hilarious. No. I'd oh, pass yes. out. You'd get fired. <laughs> can you imagine? Excuse me. Can you just bash on this piece of bone to break this person's jaw? No, I can't. And now I'm on the floor vomiting on it. I would pay good money to see that. But obviously, without a patient being there. Horrendous. I don't know how you do your job. By the way, for anyone who's like, what does Rochelle do? Is she a murderer? She's like, what are you? I'm a surgical dental nurse, so I'm an oral, yeah, well, just there, I'm a surgical <laughs> dental nurse. Do you know what you do, Michelle? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the bits of my life that I would get, if you were my clone, what would I get you to do with my life? Pick up Theodore's poo? I was just about to say, oh. pick up Theodore's shit. Other than that, actually, most of my life's pretty sweet. There aren't many things that I do that I'm like, oh, God, don't make me do that today. I just get you to write, like, all my assignments and everything. Oh, yeah, actually, you already do that. <laughs> <laughs> I make her protein balls and she writes my assignments. I just, I, that makes it sound like you're cheating at life. <laughs> I help you with copy. Yeah, basically, she red pens everything because <laughs> she loves red penning. So I do love a red pen. Because she's Queen's English, because she's from the south of England, and I'm a little bit more northern, and hey up hey up um, Sometimes she has to correct my grandma, which my grandma would be delighted at, because she also red pens me on text messages. <laughs> That's a burn from your grandma, isn't it? Are you like, hi, grandma, love you? And she responds with, you, you should have put a grammar in there. Well, you should have put a grammar in there. You should have oh. put a full stop in there. Never mind. Whenever I talk about your grandma, I get really tongue-tied. She just, I've never met her, but she makes me nervous. The need, energy of her makes me nervous. We need to FaceTime her one day. Petrifying Maybe for me. Maybe we should have her on the podcast. Oh, she's hardly a zenial, darling. I know, but... Actually, our next guest isn't a zenial either, so oh, that's okay. Okay, what is she? Well, she's a human, and... Well, obviously. Other than that, her... I mean, if she's not a zenial... Oh, what, she's a Gen is she? X. Okay, so what does that make her? She's 51. Cool. That's a Gen X, isn't it? Yeah, so she's not a baby boomer. I mean, I actually don't know what the years are that define those generations. So anyway, back to our guest. So Joe caught my eye because she has this Facebook group called The Unripe Community, which I was a bit like, I was a bit confronted by it, actually. What does unripe mean? Well, it's a community for women who do not have children, either because they couldn't or by choice. Mm. And so I was looking at this group and kind of trying to suss it out and work out how I felt by it. It's an Instagram account, actually, and I think there's a Facebook group as well. I'll link whatever groups there are to the show notes. Sure. 
the more I read, the more I identified with it. So before we jump into the interview, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about friendships and how you feel about being a child-free 40-year-old and what you think that's done to your friendships. That's interesting as when I kind of hit that everyone, and you'll be the same, everyone always asks me, why did you move to Australia? Yeah. And, you know, there's 101 reasons why I moved to Australia, but one of the reasons was I felt as I would, I was stood still, had this beautiful life, but I was standing still and all my friends around me were getting married and having babies. And it wasn't something that was, it wasn't something that was happening for me. Mm. And so that's when I kind of put on my backpack and said, I'm, I'm going to Australia for a year just to kind of have an adventure, have an adventure and really find myself as who I was as a person. And because I didn't want to stay in England and start resenting my friends for them not having as much time for me because they were moving forward with theirs in a different in a different path, in a different journey. So, yes, I moved out here. Mm. That's so, quite extreme. <laughs> no, all I'm, my friends are having children. Fuck it, I'm moving to Australia. Fuck you all. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. Kind of was. I know no. what you mean. But I know was, what you mean. It yeah. was that I, they're doing their thing and I need to do my thing. And my thing wasn't having a boyfriend and a baby, it was having an adventure. And I thought, well, this is my time. So I came out here, so I don't always feel like I'm completely left behind because my really close friends in England, I still keep in touch with them. I get to FaceTime their babies and, you know, and it's really beautiful that time with them. But I don't feel that I've really lost them because I, moved because it was already different anyway because it was different anyway yeah. yeah and then my friends out here you know some of them have got children um and i i think probably in a sense that's why you and i are quite good friends because we both like yoga we like doing the same kind of things we're both 40 we're both single we both have the time we both have the time whereas yeah. if like, you I know, can call we, you up and be like, hey, want to go for lunch? And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you want to jump, jump on a plane to Sydney? Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Yeah. But if you suddenly got a boyfriend and had a baby, please don't ever do that without <laughs> me. Um, then our friendship, even though we would still be friends, it would be different. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was having a chat with my hairdresser, who is one of my dear friends, about that. And she's only in her 20s and she can already feel the shift from when she was sort of 18, 19 to now she's turning 25. And she's now going through this transition of she's not in the same circles that she was in. And so I, it was quite nice because I was guiding her saying, there's, there's nothing wrong, you know, you're not falling out with these people. It's just that life does transition take us on this happens, journey and you find different people. It's interesting actually when you put it like that because Children is obviously a huge catalyst for change in relationships, whether that be plutonic or romantic, right? But actually, like you said, like there have been many times where my friendships have transitioned. I have had friends where, you know, our entire friendship and I thought we were best friends forever. But mm. actually it was all just like coked up parties at three o'clock in the morning and I don't see those friends anymore. It's not because I judge them or because I wish them ill but I've just become such a different person. And even in the last couple of years, as I've deepened my spiritual practice, and I know you feel the same, mm. and there's a couple of other girls that we do Kundalini yoga with who are also feeling the same, which is so well, it's so lovely that we've all found each other. But you know, you do, you begin to realize that your interests, the way that you spend your time, the things that you choose to talk about, the conversations that you choose to be in are different to how they used to be. Mm. And not all of your friends are going to be in that same transition as you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that it is. I think when it comes to children, it seems to be a bigger and more abrupt and more acute shift. Yeah. Um, I've definitely got some friends at the moment and we're doing a really good job while they've got small babies of seeing each other regularly and still 
you know, keeping the same amount of contact, even though the way that we socialise is different. But I'm not stupid enough to believe that when kids start school and weekends are all about football and taking your kids to parties and, you know, I'm not... And Auntie Emily's going to come too because she has no friends. Yeah, Auntie Emily's <laughs> going to sit on the sidelines and watch your kid play football. Oh, you could. You could be the cool aunt, but... Yeah. I don't want to do that. No. And I, yeah. <laughs> no, no offence. No. I don't want to watch my own kids play football, let alone somebody else's kids. Oh, well, I grew up having to watch my brother play football, so I never, ever want to watch football ever again in my life. But equally, I've just before here, you know this, I've been rounded by friends. She's just given birth. She's absolutely incredible. She's doing it all on her own. Her family is like the other side of the world. And she is rocking it. But you need a village of people helping you. Yeah, and so I just rocked up and she just went for a walk with the dog, held this beautiful baby. He's so perfect. Do I want one? No. No. And will it change your friendship with her? Absolutely. Absolutely. At the minute, no, because I'm a person that's helping her and she's in the house. But when this beautiful boy starts going to school and she's got school mums or like a lot of my friends are not Australian, they're American, they're Canadian, they're from all over the world. So it's very transient. Mm. You know, what was my best friend in Sydney, she's now back in Canada. Yeah. Um, and so I've really, I've learned to, I can't think, adapt quite quickly to sort of new surroundings. And yeah, you've just not got to take it personally. People just move on. Yeah. Life changes. Yeah, maybe it's just like friendships like jumpers. Sometimes you wear them a lot and then other times they sit in the wardrobe a long time. Sometimes they get a bit mothy. Yeah, sometimes, you sometimes do you're done. Sometimes you have to take them to the op shop. Op shop. Yeah. Or sometimes you give them to a friend. You do. You swap them. Swap them. Yeah, you can have my friend. I don't want her anymore. Maybe. Who maybe... can I swap you out to? I think Gaya <laughs> swapped you out to me. <laughs> he did. Oh, you two must meet each other. Deo just did not. Deo, I was Deo's done jumper. Is that what we're saying? I think we were both Deo's done jumper. I can't get that out. Done jumper. She's like, I am sick of these two girls rocking up to the studio all the time saying, I have no spiritual friends. You two can be spiritual friends. Leave me alone. (laughs) Let's crack on. I want to hear what Jo says. She's excellent. Great. Can't wait to listen to this one. So today I'm talking to Joe. Now, Joe and I were connected through the wonderful world of Instagram. When the Unashamedly 40 podcast was just a seed of an idea, I popped a post out asking to connect to anybody and any community for people who are childless, either by choice or maybe even not by choice. And Joe, someone directed me to your unripe community on Instagram and I instantly fell in love with it. So um, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this podcast episode and for talking to me today. Oh. Now, you are not technically a zenial, but we're going to forgive you. <laughs> we're going to forgive you anyway. You are a, gen, a gen X. I am. I am. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is so exciting. I'm normally on on the other side. So this is really interesting for me. Yeah, I know. It's very different, isn't it? When all of a sudden you're being the person that's being interviewed. So tell me a little bit about the, how the unripe community Mm. came about and just a little bit about your story. Yeah, Yeah, sure. So I'm actually 51. So I'm absolutely a Gen X. I came to this community because, you know, earlier last year, this is pre-COVID, earlier last year, I realized that I've lost pretty much all of my friends to motherhood. And, you know, let's just preface it by saying, I understand, I understand the difficulties of being a mother. Well, not literally understand, but I understand that there are difficulties, but it didn't mean that I still wasn't lonely, that I had all these friends who I'd known since I was 20, 30, what have you. And I pretty much lost all of them because their challenges were very different from my challenges and they didn't have time for me anymore. And that's, that's fine. I get it. So I thought, well, I'm going to start my own community, damn it. That was the impetus to start the unripe community and unripe, you know, what do you call pregnant women or women at, oh, it's it's such a horrible thing to say, but, you know, women who are at the prime of their, their, their ripeness, they call them ripe, you know, it's a horrible Mm. old term, but I thought, well, maybe we're unripe. Not really. 
I'm a married woman. I've been married to my husband for 26 and a half years and we chose not to have children initially. And then in my mid thirties, I suddenly got the bug. Yeah. And <laughs> as, as a lot of women do, you know, it's not oh, uncommon. I, I have so yeah. many friends who were convinced yeah. they weren't going to have children yeah. and then they hit their mid thirties and then next minute. Yeah. Mm. it's it's just a you know it's biological as much as we like to think you know I'm I'm a I'm a feminist so I I don't like to label these things but it really is biological we do have eggs that expire (laughs) you know we don't keep making more of them this is it we're born with what we're born with and that's it so I thought oh shit I need to give it a go you know so I convinced Jeff my husband to try IVF and that was a very expensive uh, trial run. Uh, Did you try IVF because you were having problems conceiving naturally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and my whole life, I've never been pregnant. Uh, no, not known anyway. Not that I've known mm. of. I've never been pregnant. Obviously, I was pregnant a few times during IVF, but that was, you know, I didn't actually get pregnant. I didn't feel yes. pregnant. Uh, so, so for me, it it was it was obvious that there was something going on because, you know we were clearly trying and even in the years when we weren't trying we were not not trying do you know what I mean so yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, were, yeah. you weren't being particularly meticulous yeah, prote- with your yeah, birth control exactly exactly so obviously something after that many years was going on did IVF terrible failure I'm a failure at making babies so, <laughs> so I thought you know there's got to be a community out there and there really wasn't you know, there wasn't, a, there, there aren't a lot of people who are talking about it because there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of, oh, what is it actually that I'm missing out on? Why do I feel, why do I feel bad? Why do I feel this grief? What's it, what's it about? You know? Mm. So yeah, that's why I built the community. Cause I thought we need to talk about this stuff. We need to yeah. talk about all of it. Women need to try and be more open about what's going on in their lives. So yeah. yeah do you I mean you just said sort of quite blatantly and almost Mm. flippantly you know I'm a failure (laughs) at making babies yeah um and obviously you are a very sort of confident and seemingly robust woman right right do you feel like a failure have you been made to feel like a failure because you were not successful you know no and this is the really difficult one because I hear a lot of stories and I I have to stop myself from saying they said what they did what who who? no one's ever said that to me and I've spoken with a lot of people in the last year that I've been working on this and saying why have I never really heard this stuff and really it's come back to well Joe, you've just got resting bitch face nobody will dare (laughs) to say anything like that to you so (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that is you know what you know what I think they might be right because I've rarely had anyone say to me, oh, did you, did you relax? Did you go on holiday? Did you, you know, no one's really said that stuff to me, but I know it happens. Yeah. So no, I don't feel a failure. I don't. Do you think that no one has ever said that to you? Or do you think that part of that is that that you like completely brush that off as nonsensical? Like you don't absorb it in the same way that maybe somebody who was sort of slightly more sensitive would absorb it and and take it really personally do you think that there's an element of just like oh idiot don't say that to me and you just move on with it you know you might be right actually because I look I am fairly sensitive about some things but about this thing like what can I do this is this is what happened you know I found the whole process of IVF to be hilarious, I know, uh, which is kind of different from a lot of people. I just thought it was ridiculous, you know what I mean? Like the temperatures and the swabs and the needles and the whatever, you know, and it just didn't affect me in the same way that a lot of other people. So maybe I'm just a psychopath or, and I don't have emotions (laughs) or yeah, I'm just a different type of person who isn't affected by it. You know, there are things that bother me, but there are things that don't bother me because I don't know. You you have to choose, don't you? I do. Yeah. The frame that you've just put around it is probably 
something that's sort of quite interesting to me, this framework around like, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. This is just mm. the way that it is and how mm. I react to it will determine my experience of it. Totally. So I can choose to be overwhelmed by the needles and the swabs and the temperature taking. I can be really offended by some of the language, especially the medical language when it comes to talking about female reproduction. Mm. Or I can choose to be like, well, this is hilarious, archaic and a little bit weird. And do you know what? It's not yeah. a reflection of my worthiness as a human being. No, or absolutely. And I think, look, I think part of it is also that I didn't grow up thinking I must be a mum. And I, and that is a huge difference. Now, I am an only child and my cousins, my family were remote. So I didn't see them growing up. I did not see children when I was growing up other <laughs> like than my friends bang bang <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean like my fr- my friends sure but I didn't see other people's children when I was growing up because everyone was my age so if I saw kids they were, they were people like me but I never saw people changing nappies I never saw people with kids who were crying I never saw that the first time I changed a nappy was about 10 or so years ago and it was horrendous. You know, the cliche, you, you, you hear, you see it in the movies. I was that person. I was the one lifting the baby up by, you know, under the arms going, oh my God, what do I do with this? So for me, babies were not something that I equated to being a woman. I just didn't. Mm. My parents are Italian. They're very, very conservative Italian. Not once have they said to me, when are you going to have babies? Not, wow. no, at no stage in my entire life mm. did they say that to me. So, of course, for me, the sense the level of sensitivity is quite different because I didn't have that growing up, that think of thing of, oh, I know what I'm going to be doing with my life. This is what my, my life's going to look like. I never had that. So when it didn't happen, sure, it was really sad. Oh, my God. You know, it was terrible. I took up alcohol. I took up smoking again after years of not smoking. You know, I, do, I went through all of that stuff and that's how I dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> resourceful. Yeah. yeah very resourceful. <laughs> you know, so for me, it wasn't about, it wasn't the triggers. It was more about, as someone said to me recently, maybe you just had FOMO, Joe, and that's why you wanted to have babies. And I think I might be right that it wasn't necessarily this thing that I absolutely wanted, but more like, oh, I don't get to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's what my friends are talking about and doing right mm, now. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that society treats you any differently because you are not a mother? Look, the institutions, of course, treat us, treat all of us differently. You know, we get different tax breaks, but you know, what, what are you going to say? Like, yeah, having kids is expensive. I'm sorry. Of course, they're going to get more tax breaks than me. So institutionally, yes, society treats us differently. But in terms of me personally, again, I think I do brush it off. I think I do. Um, I, I run my own business. I work for myself. Nobody's asking me to work overtime because I don't, I don't have kids and somebody else does. I don't get that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. in fact, when other women, so I'm in a few groups and, and there's a lot of women who are still going through the throes of grief, like really intense grief. And they say, you know, I can't even go back to work. I can't, and, you know, with COVID and everything, there's been this real shift uh, in the way that we think about work, obviously. And there's been, there's been a lot of talk about at-home parents. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to have children at home with you while you're trying to work, right? Yeah. I mean, I all... can barely handle my dog being yeah, at home. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this as as a hashtag as a mother bullshit, I don't have to be a mother to know that that would be horrifying, right? Mm. But two sensitive women who are missing out on the experience, hearing parents say things like, oh, it's been horrible, all we can think of is, you know, we would take a shred of your horrible life right now. We would love a little bit of your horrible life right now, but that's not their problem. You know, that's us. That's on us. So have I been treated differently? No, not that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of, but you know, you do hear every so often the, well, because you're not a mum, you wouldn't understand. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. They're probably right because Mm. I haven't had that particular experience. I yeah. also haven't had a parent die, so I wouldn't understand that. You know, there's a lot of experiences that we don't have. And I and I do hear a lot of women saying things like, oh, but I've got empathy. Yeah, yeah, we get that. But until you've experienced that particular thing, 
you might have empathy, but you'll never understand it. Yeah. And I think we also need to grow up a little bit. I'm going to sound, this is a bit controversial, but we as women need to grow up and go, you know, yes, it is a trigger, but it's my trigger. I don't want everybody else to change everything about themselves because I'm triggered. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that would be, so my mum died just short of four years ago it would be a bit like me saying excuse me can you not talk about your mother because my mum is dead absolutely and so you know and and I do know and I I I have some friends who are going through IVF and the disappointment is palpable and Mm. I feel so much for them I see Mm. their grief and and it must be well I can't imagine because I (laughs) because I've never done it right that's right I actually cannot imagine but you know, I, I have the the fullest of sympathy, but the reality is a mother of two, three kids working full time from home who is really stressed is also allowed to express mm-hmm. her grief in her moment. Absolutely. The fact that this is where her life is. Yeah, I would sure. agree. And I think we need to be sensitive to other people. If I, for example, uh, have a friend who is going through a divorce. I am not going to sit there and talk about my husband and how wonderful he is. And the, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm not, because I'm not an asshole. Because I'm not a dick. Yeah. 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 Right. So if you, I know when I was going through IVF, I had friends getting pregnant left, right and center, and they were super sensitive. You know, mm. they're like, Joe, just need to let you know, um, I'm pregnant. Oh, it was like a knife. But what am I going to do? Say, sorry, don't talk about that because I'm going through my own challenges. No way. Mm. I mean, life is messy. Life is messy. It's a complicated one, isn't it? It's contextual, I think, isn't it? If if you're having a a brunch with two close girlfriends and they're both struggling to conceive, maybe you won't talk about how amazing motherhood is for the entire meal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, equally, we are 7.7 billion people and we are being triggered left, right and centre all of the yeah. time. One of the things that I think women are pretty good at is the sort of sisterhood and, mm. and really recognising and raising each other up and being empathetic with each other's grief, but also allowing ourselves to celebrate each other. And I, and I think yeah. we're seeing a rise in that. Less tall poppy syndrome and more, mm. actually, come on, together we are very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So a bit more unity. Look, there is a, there is a real divide, though, in some circles between the mums and the not mums. I'll be mm. completely honest with you. You know, when I when I posted some time ago, I did some writing for a child-free magazine and it's literally, you know, how you've got a mum magazine or parent magazine. This is a child-free magazine. They talk about, you know, where are, where are the holiday locations that only take people with children over 18 you know mm. where can you go to restaurants that aren't focusing on you know that sort of thing so yeah, absolutely and, and it's I, great. I, I don't have children so I don't want to listen to your kids iPad while I'm there you go my there yeah. you go so I posted in this group and I said look I'm looking for some people uh to talk to for this article that I'm writing about you know being any kind of discrimination in the workplace towards child free and childless women holy crap was I Oh, you're laughing. You know exactly. You know exactly. I can, I can, I can right? hear it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can hear it. It coming. was really horrible. It was horrible, actually. And I've got I've got thick skin, so it wasn't so bad. But it was just so intense. Why do you need a magazine for child-free people? What What do you need it for? What's there to talk about? You've got nothing to talk about. And I thought, so we still have to um, we still have to mend that fracture. We still yeah. have to mend that fracture. When you all of your friends started having children and you began to feel more and more sort of distant from them I think Mm. I think this is something I'm really experiencing at the moment so Mm. I'm I would say I'm childless by choice Mm. but I would also say it just never really happened for me I was just never in the right relationship and I spent you know those sort of 35 plus completely out of a relationship and so I just always assumed I'd have children. It never really happened. And then because I have never had that like, oh, I really, really, really want to be a mum feeling. I was just like, well, I'm not going to pursue having a baby by myself. Mm. And I'm not going to jump into a relationship with somebody I don't really love so that I can have a baby. And so I'm just going to do life as a, a woman who has chosen not to have children. And now I'm 40, I think, to be honest, I'm so set in my ways. And <laughs> I just, I don't think I could even bear the idea of it now. But, you know, all of my friends are all having children and, and I love them and I love the children and it's different. It is. And I think, though, that what you're doing is showing, you're showing other women 
an alternative way to live. If we told children when they're young that life can look so different. So you'll have people over here who decide to be single their whole lives, some who won't decide, it's decided for them. You know, if we tell children that they have options, that there is a one path, then when they do make these really tough decisions, because they are tough decisions, mm. they they may not feel the same level of grief and guilt around it. They may look at life like you turning 40 and say, okay, so it didn't quite work out the way I thought I wanted it to work out, but I'm okay. And I'm going to do it like this instead. That's what we need more of. Mm. And so I welcome women like you who are speaking out because hopefully that'll get passed on. And that's why I decided to open up the doors to people under 40 because I thought, well, actually, they're the ones who are struggling more at the moment. Mm. Women in their 30s and some in their 20s are actually struggling to make Mm. decisions. Yeah. Yeah, because it's such a huge decision. And there is such an expectation and there is pressure and whether it be family or whether it be Mm. cultural. And I, I also feel like one of the things that I have really had to start having a deep conversation with myself about is, okay, so what are you now afforded (laughs) that most mothers don't have Mm -hmm. and take advantage of that without feeling guilty about it? Yeah. I can at the drop of the hat, all right, COVID restrictions are in place. All right, all good. But like at the drop of the hat, I can just get on a plane at any time and go anywhere I want. And yeah. and it's been a conversation that I've had more and more with myself of like, take advantage of that. And you don't have to feel guilty about mm. it. You don't have to rub it in anyone else's face that you're doing <laughs> it. But you know, you have been this, this is your lot. This is yeah. how it's turned out for you. So make the most of it. You know, you have got this freedom, all of your disposable income is yours to dispose upon yourself and, right. and your charity work and go and do that. And there are so many children and so many souls on this planet that need love and need care. And I can still be a nurturing, kind, maternal, loving woman without having given birth to my own child. Absolutely. And, and if that's the choice that you want to make, then, then by all means do that. What, what is your plan B then? I want to ask you, what's your plan B? Because that's what we call it. We call it like, so plan A, if your plan A was, I don't know, the get married and have children thing, right? Mm. What What's your plan B? Have you made a decision about what, what that's going to look like? Yeah. So my focus now is really developing my business, reaching mm-hmm. as many women as I can to empower them through their own spiritual connection to live the life that they desire in the hope that the more people that do that type of work we might even move towards some kind of global healing for the planet mm. because I, I don't consider that we will continue as a human race if we keep going the way that we're going. Mm. I think mm. we are moving more and more to division and greed. And I think that that is something that we all need to take accountability for in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Like if I am greedy, then the world will be greedy. Mm-hmm. If I am angry, the world will be angry. And mm-hmm. so I believe that healing the planet starts with the individual. So moving more and more towards that message, um, I have become probably as I have realized that I'm not going to have children, probably a little bit more interested and more, I guess, yeah, pulled to help the children that don't have mothers and don't have food and don't have shelter and don't have the huge amount of um, potential that I was born into. You know, I'm a very Mm. privileged, privileged woman and Mm. I get to help people less privileged than me in Mm. my privilege. And so that's where I'm going with my one precious life. And I know that you can still do that with children. Absolutely. Of course yeah. you can. Just because you're a mother doesn't mean you can't do anything else. I know that. But I, you know, I do feel like I'm in a, a, a kind of special place where I have a, a bit of a growing market of followers and, and a message to deliver to the world. And so my passion is taking me that way instead. You have a huge heart and that's wonderful. I like seeing that there's more of us out there who are either choosing not to have children or childless by circumstance, you know, because we didn't meet the right person or infertile, whatever it is. It's actually really a benefit for society because we're able to share ourselves at a time when we're making really big changes in our lives and making big decisions. So yeah, let's hope more of us do that. 
Yeah. And well, and also let's hope that we are moving more and more towards a society where you can be a mother and have the systematic support, which means that you are not raising children by yourself, absolutely exhausted, trying to hold down a job. Yeah. You know, all of those sorts of things. That well, that's the that's what we actually want. That that there Absolutely. is what we actually want. That's the utopia. That's the utopia. We've got yeah. a way to go. Yeah. So your experience of your friends sort of shifting and changing, mm. and the and the loneliness that comes mm. with that, and like I think you said something earlier, which I really resonated with, which is like it's no one's fault, but it is mm. an inevitability Yeah. that as all of your friends have children, you know, I've, I've sat in a few rooms recently and I love these children. I love them. They're so gorgeous <laughs> and they're amazing and they're funny. And I genuinely want to hear about how they're doing, but then the conversation will drift into other topics of conversation about children, which don't really interest me that much mm. because I don't care. And that's not because I don't care about the children or I don't care about my friends. It's just I can't partake in that conversation Mm. in the same way that everyone else in the room can because they've also just had a baby or they've got a two-year-old who's having a tantrum or they're, you know, swapping recipes and stories and advice. And so it it definitely makes you feel like the different one. That's interesting, yeah. So that's an interesting one. I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately about what happens when we're having conversations that we're either uncomfortable with or we don't have a lived experience of. And as a journalist, I can say to you, put everyone put your journalist hat on, even if you're not a journalist, and ask questions because that is a way of, well, that's a way of bonding with people, asking questions, finding out a little bit more about them. But it goes both ways. And I think that's what we're missing out on because Mm. we're good at asking questions because Mm. we don't want to make our girlfriends with kids feel like they're missing out, feel like they're all they've got is, is being a mum. We're really good at that. I see you rolling your eyes. You are, you know it. We (laughs) are so so good at being the ones to go, Oh, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about mm. that. How's he sleeping? How's he sleeping? Yeah. Is he eating well? And, I mean, well, yeah. I don't care. I do not care about that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, we're friends. And as friends, we have uncomfortable conversations with each other. And that's fine. But it has to go both ways. Mm. You know, I remember early on, much early on, you know, my friends tried, they tried, but you could tell, you could tell that they just didn't give a shit. And that's fine because out of the corner of their eyes, someone's pulling a knife out of the drawer, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or about to light a fire or something. Yeah. And well, they're so fucking tired. They can't yes. finish the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that what a lot of what the 75% who do have, have children, I don't think they realize that we do get it, that we're not, and I'm sure they're the outliers who are like, oh God, another talk about a conversation about a baby. We get it, but it doesn't make it any easier. So it became, it, it became really problematic for me. And unfortunately I've had to let go of a lot of friends and you know, it's interesting. The other day I saw this post that was cross posted um, in a Facebook group and that was from a woman, I think she was a celebrity of sorts, some sort of celebrity, who posted, I'm pretty much dumping all my friends who don't have children. I only want to know women who get why I'm tired, who don't ask me questions about why I'm tired, who don't don't care if I've got, you know, ch- poo on my shirt or whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, this, w- yeah, we st- we don't get each other, do we? We don't get each other. But also if I were a mum, I might be doing the same thing because you do, whichever side you're on, if you want to call it sides, we feel for our own position. So if I was a mum, I don't want people judging me because my house is dirty, because I don't have time to, you know, all that sort of crap Mm. that you hear all the time. But I feel the same way too. I don't want anyone judging me because I'm able to just go to LA for a week because I want to see a concert. I did that. But anyway, you know what I mean? So yeah. So stuff like that, you know, you don't want to be judged because I feel like, I don't know if you've done this. I'm sure you have. When, when you're telling a story about something ridiculous, you did, do you, do you feel a little bit of guilt sometimes? If yeah, you're yeah, totally. To your, or I'll yeah? really, I'll downplay it. Downplay it. Because oh. I don't want to seem like I'm showing off or, yeah. you know, I don't want you to feel bad that you can't do that when I That's can do right. that. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah. we've got to stop and, doing that. And even small little things like, oh, yeah, you know, I just like had a lion, just hung out in bed. <laughs> I'm like, I don't say that around a sleep deprived mother. terrible. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. You know, and look at all the things we do that. But we don't get that in, in return. Rarely mm. do we get that level of of sensitivity in return. All we get is, oh, you're so lucky that, you know, you've got all the time in the world. You're so lucky you get to sleep in. It's like, well, is it luck? Is it luck? Or is it just that's the life choice I've made and that's a life choice you've made? And again, it's like, well, this is the situation that I am in. What am I going to, how am I going to make the best of it? Totally. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I would have scripted my life this way Mm. but it is the way that it is Mm. and your so your friends now are you finding that they are they have grown up children yeah yeah so they well look I I don't really have any of those friends in my life anymore I think what happened is that they they went off to mother's groups and they made different friends Mm. friends who they meet at the drop-off school drop-off and pick up and and I I I don't I can't be part of that at all so these are things that you and I cannot be part of. We yeah. can't be part of mum's group. It's and weird dad. if you just yep. rock up at the no, school that's, gate. You don't don't no rock children. up to the school gate. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine? Hey, just just thought I'd catch up. Just hanging out at the school Haven't gate. Haven't seen you for a while. So Hashtag I thought tired. I'd come. Yeah, whatever. Got to sleep in this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, those are things that we're completely excluded from. Unfortunately, I have lost a lot of friends it's mm. it's that simple which is why I needed a community and mm. of your community would you say most of them are childless by circumstance or childless by choice ah uh, look it's a real combination so a lot of the people in the community are over 40 a lot of them and so they have different terminology it's it's so for example you might change from being you might have thought yourself as childless a few years ago now that you're around the 40 you might go well actually I consider myself to be child free now so Mm. you know so I was childless and I own that word but I still consider myself to be child free now because this is it now I'm not I'm not hoping for anything different. And I think a lot of the women in the community are in the same boat. So they're getting to that point where they're like, okay, so I I am childless, but now I can allow myself to be child-free and and live a different life. So Mm. that's the plan B that we talk about. Now, once you start thinking about the plan B, am I actually childless or am I I child-free? Well, listen, I will be linking the Unripe community in the show notes because I'm sure there will be a lot of women listening who are either ready to join that type of community now Mm. or potentially will be ready to join it at some point in the future. Thank you. And thank you so much for your time today. We're just going to finish off with a couple of questions. Sure. What is your favorite memory? I mean, I was brought up in the 80s. <laughs> I'm wearing fake shoulder pads for you today as a um they are, as an are homage. Wearing, wearing an 80s kind of frock. What's happening? I, I am. It's right? actually a jumpsuit. Check oh, it out. hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is your fondest memory from the 1980s era? So as you can see, because we're on Zoom together, I have curly hair. The 80s were not good to curly hair women. or not because moose I didn't discover moose until 1985 so it was a whole mood wasn't it it was a whole it was a it was a game changer but unfortunately before that there was no moose we had gel so I had terrible hair so the 80s was not a good time for me but you know I was all about music and I just loved you know Adam and the Ants I love them so much that, that I would cry uh but I have, you know, I have plenty of photos of me wearing, you know, fluoro windsheeters and, you know, matching windshe- top and bottom windsheeter. Yeah, you're saying yes, but it wasn't good. Oh. It was not good at the time. It, it, was, it was good then, <laughs> then it was not good. And now it's nostalgically good. Yeah, again. okay. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, that yeah. is fair. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was all about the music. It was all about yeah. music. I didn't love 80s music, but there was some that were really great for me. You know, Tears yeah. and Fears were really good. Yeah. So that sort of thing was really cool. Yeah. I remember. Um, my sisters and I would record the UK top forty. Oh yeah, on a on a tape on our on our tape yeah. deck. Yeah, music yeah. was eighties music. Wow, wow, right. <laughs> what has been the di- the biggest difference for you? Normally, I would ask between turning thirty and forty, but I'm actually going to ask you between those three <laughs> decades, so thirty, forty, sure. and fifty. 
Right. Well, at 30, I literally found my first gray hair on my 30th birthday. Now, oh. of course, I had them before that, but I I only discovered it on my 30th. So that was tragic. <laughs> I felt turning 30 for me was far more, uh, far far worse than any other age I've turned. And I sort of largely ignored 40 and 50, to be honest, because it just felt like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, 40 was fine. I just thought, oh, wow, I was still fit. I was, I was, I was playing roller derby at 40. So, you know, hey, life is pretty good. 50. Yeah. Yeah. I'm now 51, turning 52 this year. And I just don't know how I feel about this yet. Mm. might take me a while to know yeah. how I feel about work this. it out by the time you work it out by the time you hit 60 <laughs> oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> and what has been your greatest life lesson today yeah. look I know it's a cliche but it's true and that is that it's never too late to start something new so at 51 I went back to school so I'm studying to be a chef I published books after the age of 40 it's just never too late because mm. If you don't, oh, this is all very cliche, but if you don't start right now, in a year's time or five years' time, you still won't have done it. So you may as well just start. And if it doesn't work out, then piss it off. But if you don't start, you're never going to get to that next place that you want to be. So just keep starting. Start starting. Start as much as possible. Start yeah. everything and then just push things to the side as they don't work out for you but start as much as possible and it's never too late to make new friends you know that's the real that's the real key you know loneliness is something that affects all of us at some stage in our lives and as we grow older especially with our kids that loneliness well even with kids actually I, I hear stories from people who are like I never see my kids they never call me they never come around so loneliness is, is around us so whether you have kids or not make friends mm. make friends even if they're just Facebook friends there's still people that you can turn to if you need to and yeah. that's what we're realizing now with COVID you know we've been so distant distant from one another that you know make friends however you can just make them and if you're mm -hmm. looking for some friends we will be linking the unripe community <laughs> in the show notes thank Joe, you, you are an absolute hoot I mean you're <laughs> bloody brilliant thank you so much for taking Thanks the so time much. Joe, I'm in awe of you. Absolutely love you. Isn't she cool? I want to be her friend. Well, you want to be everyone's friend. Yeah, I know. Um, Apart from you. <laughs> well, you stuck with me. Oh, hey, Theodore. Hi, Theodore. That's nice. Got yeah. a little Theodore sandwich going on. He's coming sat yeah. right in between us. Hello, buddy. You're with my friend. Beautifully groomed hair. Anyway, so Joe is, she's incredible. I just love the fact that she realised there was, Something missing is the wrong word, isn't it? But a community missing for women like us that are single, don't have children. Well, she's not single, is she? She's happily Very married. Happy married. I think it's great that she's built this community because I think a lot more women these days are choosing either to have children later. Well, We're they're not having children at all. Society accepts us now without having a husband and a house. We are allowed our own businesses, our own bank accounts, our own mm -hmm. careers without a man yeah so I think there are going to be more women like us that are choosing not to have children well not I didn't choose to have or not to have it just happened it's so strange isn't it I don't know how to explain it to people it's like I assumed I would and now I don't think I'd put myself in the position of being a mother I found her very refreshing it's not often that you hear someone speak without filter in that really honest way like she does not give a fuck if she offends you she's just brutally honest and I don't think there are enough of those honest conversations going around because the reality is we are all kind of pussyfooting around each other being like oh well, you know it's okay you've got kids and it's, it's okay that you know we talk about your children all the time and she's like it's not it bores me and I was like actually that's really refreshing yeah. because I love my friends but often I will sit and I will listen to story after story after story about their kids. I don't want to know how many shits I've had that day. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't need to know how many shits your kids have. I mean, I can tell you how many shits I've had. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I don't need to know that. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I found it really refreshing for someone just to be like, you know, it doesn't mean I didn't love my friends or I don't love my friends, but I literally have no, we don't share common interests anymore. And... And I think there is something quite spiritual about that, mm. which is this idea of like, 
in order to be truly content and at peace in life, you've got to learn how to practice non-attachment and how to let stuff go. And it's only in the resistance of what is happening that you will find suffering. So, you know, instead of desperately trying to hold on to her friendships and desperately pretending like she wanted to be a mother when really she didn't, I thought it was really interesting that she said that she has sort of come to the conclusion that when she was trying for (laughs) for children through IVF, it was more through FOMO than anything else. You know, I thought that was, again, really refreshing to hear. It's okay that you don't really want children. It's Mm. okay. And I actually think that is a a really deeply spiritual concept, this idea of like, if you resist it, if you try and pretend to be what you're not, if you try and keep hold of what was, Mm. then you will find yourself in suffering. And the best thing that you can do is let go, allow it to be stripped away from you so that something else and something new can grow and conform. And she's the sort of woman, clearly, who isn't going to wait around for the universe to deliver her back. She's going to go and she's going to go and create her own opportunities because she's obviously a phenomenal manifester. And I'm all about that. Like, I was just like, slow round of applause for Jo. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. And I just love what she's doing to the community around her. My godmother never chose to have children. She's got lots of animals and she's got a wonderful husband that she's been married to for years, but she's really served her community. So, you know, the old people that need to go shopping, like she's just, she's just always there giving love and service to everyone. And because I've lost both my parents and her other godchildren have also lost their mom. So she's become like our mum anyway Mm. and she said it's great because she's got these like godchildren that are old enough to sit and have a chat with and drink wine with instead of you know cleaning the nappies and doing all that she's also been a phenomenal person and she chose not to have children in probably it would have been back in the 70s so yeah well that was sort of almost frowned upon and and she did say you know a lot of people you say oh why aren't you having a child Mm. and and she's really coached me the last few years in like it's okay that you don't want a child it's okay that you wanted to travel the world and you want to do what's right for you if anyone judges you for that then that's Again, just let it go. It's their judgment. Let it as go. Well. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know they the other words. Oh, there we are. Someone has seen the movie more than once. Um, yeah, no, I was a massive fan of Joe, massive fan of the movement, massive fan of how brutally honest at times that she was. What I loved as well is when she said, I don't know whether it was a magazine or something, Without Children magazine. Yes. And people had really like gone, you can't do that. Why? Why can't I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's just stop judging people for having their groups because it's not even a group, it's a community of people helping each other in that way. I'm sure my friends have had like little IVF groups and things like that that they've needed that I can't give them Yeah. that... My friends, my friends with kids meet up all the time and I don't get invited because they're taking their kids to play parks and gymborees and weird shit. That but they should invite you because, I mean, you're the size of a child. I do, I do I, love a soft play. I do love a soft play. I love a good swing. <laughs> I love a good swing. So do you know what I don't appreciate? A fucking seesaw. Because those <laughs> things, right, when you bash your bum down at the bottom, especially if you've got a little bit of a dickhead sister, I have two of them, <laughs> You know, and they just like like push themselves off really fast. So I'd fling up in the air and then I'd like bash down to the floor. Oof. They're, they're torture, torturous things for small people. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Unashamedly 40, a special short series briefly interrupting my Unashamedly Human podcast. If you've loved this episode, please share it with your mates, rate and review, and head to the show notes to get in touch. Thanks for listening.